Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 230 is entitled, What is Real? Part 1, Introduction. In other podcasts, I have written about the subject, What is Real? The question is simply too large to cover in a few podcasts, so I keep coming back to it. In this podcast, because of the limitations of time, I shall be obliged to just give a brief introduction. It will be followed in podcast 231 by a rather strange but hopefully revealing allegory. The theme of reality is not easy to deal with. I realize that trying to explain the real with the unreal is a rather strange way to approach reality. We are dual beings. We are temporal beings subject to temporal laws. And... We are spiritual beings subject to spiritual laws. The subject of reality must address both natures and both sets of laws. Laws define reality. Laws define truth. Temporal laws define temporal reality or temporal truth. And spiritual laws define spiritual reality or spiritual truth. To understand reality, we must understand law. Truth and law cannot be separated. When studying science, You must separate true science, or true law, from theories of law. Theoretical science is not, strictly speaking, science. It is a sort of working hypothesis that has not been proven to be an absolute law. Some of the wild theories surrounding evolution are a case in point. Probability is a gamble. True science cannot play dice. There is no proof that man descended from apes. The gap is too large. There is no evidence that life began by accident. The probability is too small. The same is true for religion. One should not confuse science with theories of science any more than one should confuse religion with theories of religion. The Apostle Paul said, For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? There is true science and true religion, both based on law, or neither have meaning. There is that which is real and that which is merely presumed to be real. This podcast and others like it are based on the following 10 assumptions. Obviously, there are other assumptions, but the following 10 are sufficient for my purposes. If any of the assumptions are false, then any discussion about reality is meaningless. The assumptions are 1. All truth is circumscribed or bound or encompassed under one vast universal whole. 2. Truth can never contradict truth just as law can never contradict law. 3. Truth and law are absolute. 4. Something can never come from nothing, which includes the obvious, nothing can create itself. 5. Everything is made of matter and energy. 6. Matter and energy self-exist, or it violates propositions 4 and 5 above. 7. Intelligence or consciousness or life force self-exist for the same reason that matter and energy self-exist. 8. 
that which self-exists cannot be created or destroyed. 9. Everything has its opposite, or even life couldn't exist. Laws couldn't exist. Creation couldn't exist. 10. All creation is organized by law through intelligent design. Only through law can it be protected, perfected, and sanctified. The intelligent designer is God, who never changes. The above assumptions validate the existence of God and deny any claim to an accidental universe or accidental life. Though the nature of the Trinity is in dispute, most Christians, if not all, agree on the existence of the Holy Trinity, the Father, the only begotten Son of the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost. All are necessary in the story of creation. In this and all of the podcasts, Linda and I hold to the belief that they are three separate beings, united in a single purpose, the salvation of mankind, each with a unique and necessary function. The absence of any member of the Godhead would negate the eternal plan of salvation. God is the Father of our spirits. His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, is the Creator of the world under the direction of the Father. He created the earth. He created our physical bodies from the elements of the earth. He atoned for our sins. He satisfied the law of justice. He is our Savior and Redeemer. He brings about the resurrection of all mankind. He is our advocate with the Father. He is the eternal judge. The Holy Ghost is a spirit. He testifies of the Father and the Son. He dwells in our hearts. He is a gift of God. He is the still small voice. Without the Holy Ghost, we could not know the Father and the Son. Without the Holy Ghost, the existence of the Father and Son could not be real to us. The subject of what is real is incredibly broad. Any attempt at being definitive would be futile. Who, for example, could examine all temporal laws or all spiritual laws? Obviously, I must pick and choose where to place my emphasis. In this podcast, which is just an introduction, I assume the difference between temporal law and spiritual law. Temporal means time, and time means entropy, where things move from order to disorder, ending in death. The Apostle Peter, speaking of this earth, tells us, 2 Peter 3, 12-13 Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Temporal law deals with the natural order of things. Spiritual law deals with the eternal nature of things. We have a mortal body subject to mortal laws, and we have a spirit body or immortal spirit subject to spiritual laws. That is why I say there is a temporal or temporary reality and a spiritual or immortal reality. We are governed both by temporal law and by spiritual law in a paradoxical relationship. Our physical body gives us freedom. Our spiritual body gives us agency. Our inherent intelligence gives us free will. All are subject to the laws of God. It is the mortal earth, the earth governed by the laws of thermodynamics, that seems rather temporary. We move toward what David called the dust of death. The earth moves toward a giant heat death. Peter's language is very strong. The elements shall melt with fervent heat. On the other hand, the resurrection brought about by Christ will give us a new body, 
an eternal body, no longer subject to death. And the new heaven and a new earth, which will house our resurrected bodies, will last forever. That leads us to six more assumptions about reality. 1. That which is temporal has an end. 2. That which is spiritual is endless. 3. There is temporal matter that is reducible. There is spiritual matter that is irreducible. 4. Temporal law deals with reducible matter. Spiritual law deals with irreducible matter. 5. Temporal law has the power of prediction only in temporal things. 6. Spiritual law, which also governs temporal law, has the power of prediction over everything, mortal or immortal, temporal or spiritual, time or eternity. Being limited to time or to mortality doesn't mean it isn't real. In fact, the purpose of the physical body is to allow us to make every possible connection to our mortal earth. We have eyes, ears, nose, mouth, and hands. We can see, hear, smell, taste, and touch. We have other senses as well that go beyond the physical senses. Many have had supernatural experiences that they cannot deny and are not willing to allow pseudoscience to explain them away as delusions. Millions upon millions of people with various religious backgrounds and cultures have had personal experiences relating to the supernatural that cannot be explained scientifically. Miracles are probably far more common than many of us think. None of us have the power to judge another person's spiritual experience. They are the only judge. Of course, we are complex beings and do have the powers of fantasy and self-delusion. Some drugs cause hallucinations. Nothing is simple, especially reality. I knew someone who was preternaturally sensitive to the spirit world. I was acutely aware of that person's integrity. I myself have never seen a spirit. I don't believe in ghosts and goblins and long-legged beasties and things that go bump in the night. But I do believe fervently in the spirit world where our spirits live after we die. Most people, I suppose, experience dreams. <laughs> My own dreams have mostly been disjointed nonsensical, and sometimes nightmarish. Some people, however, have prophetic dreams, notably the Pharaoh of Egypt and Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Joseph and Daniel had special powers of interpreting those prophetic dreams. Perhaps prophetic dreams, too, are more common than we think. Though I am extremely skeptical of those who sell visions, I accept that some, otherwise ordinary people, have knowledge of the future. We may call it intuition, premonition, foreboding, forewarning, omen, portent, sign, augury, presage, presentiment, apprehension, foreknowledge, clairvoyance, second sight, sixth sense, sagacity, sapience, psychic, perspicacious, sapient, and so on. I cannot judge. Many visionaries with a special commission from God are recorded in the Holy Scriptures. The Lord said to the prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah 1, 4-5 Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou comest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. The prophecies of Jeremiah were rejected by his own people, and they killed him for not telling them what they wanted to hear. The most famous vision is the vision of John the Revelator on the Isle of Patmos. He too was imprisoned on the island at a very advanced age by the Roman emperor, who saw him as a threat to the Roman Empire. 
It appears that he was one of the last members of the original twelve apostles left alive. For 2,000 years, Christians have been trying to decipher the book of Revelation. Lynn and I have spent many long hours debating its exciting imagery. In fact, at Linda's insistence, we have tackled the book again. With the help of YouTube, we've spent hours on chapters 1 and 2 this past Sunday and plan to endure to the end. Some notable pastors have very enlightening documentaries on the seven cities in modern-day Turkey that received John's seven letters. They made the letters very real and gave the source of some of the imagery. We have temporal prophets and we have spiritual prophets. Science, for example, represents our temporal prophets and can only be validated by accurate prediction. I suppose the same can be said for the prophets of the Holy Scriptures. In the next podcast, I am going to create a futuristic hypothetical situation to illustrate the difference between science and religion, or temporal prophets and holy prophets. I admit up front that it is fantastic and will probably make you smile. It sounds like science fiction. The idea of the allegory came about in a strange combination of serendipity of circumstances, which I will explain in the next podcast. Please stay with us and tell your friends. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.